everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Cheers, everybody. Good show. So, um, and an interesting show. We're joined this morning by Dr. Ashley Rose Young. She's the historian of the American Food History Project She's been at on the before. Smithsonian National Museum. You remember Ashley. Come she on. comes She's in every on. year. So, uh, two, uh, 2019 Food History Weekend is next weekend, and she's going to tell us all about what's going on. Give me that pen back. It's like dealing with a child. Uh, there's a new company out there called Serra Luce. And uh, Justin Pass and Rachel Watson are the uh, founders. It's a Venetian spritz in a can that's delish, and we're going to be talking all about that. And the Northern Virginia Battle of the Bartenders to benefit the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation is coming up. I feel like that should be done again. The Battle of the Bartenders. Come on, guys. Lighten up. You have wine in your hands. Most of the people in the studio have been up all night, so... Move on. And she, um, so uh, Lauren Barrett is in. Lauren is the operations manager at uh, Scott and Becky Harris's Catoctin Creek Distilling. I feel like that should be a new drinking game. I feel like every week we have people in studio and we say Catoctin Creek. Yeah, because drink, drink because we they were just on. Right. Yeah. No, right. people last week but were talking about them too. She's brought in uh, John Schott. He's the bar manager at the People's Drug uh, Restaurant in Alexandria. And Aaron Robertson, if she ever gets up from downstairs, yes. will be here. She's uh, the bar manager at Asso. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about that, and I assume they're both We're going to have a little competition Yeah, we're going to see studio. what's going on. And Chaz Jefferson's here. He's the wine director and psalm at Jug and Table and Roofers Union, and he's already poured for us. So yes. we're, Yeah, we're on our Hi, way. Hi, Chaz. Yeah. We're, we're going to be snookered by the time you get the same thing. Wait, wait, wait. Before you start talking, we have to take a phone But first, call. Debbie Moser's on the phone. She's uh, She and uh, her husband, Mitch Berliner, are the founders of Central Farm Markets. She's got a report for us. Uh, what's good at the markets today? And Hi, it's Deb. a nice day, Yeah, Deb. it's beautiful. Good morning. Hi. Good what? morning. It's gorgeous here. We're packed here. People, after the last two weeks of rain, people are coming out. We have a very special demo going on today. We're doing a grass-fed demo. So what does that mean? We have our showing chef, how to feed Jonathan grass Martin. to a cow? Right, exactly. Well, grass-fed anything. Mm-hmm. Um but we're talking about the, the uh, attributes of, of buying grass-fed, of buying local. Jonathan Bardsick, our chef, is here, and he's cooking up, as we speak, beef and pumpkin stew, cool. mushroom and beef burgers, stir-fried beef and broccoli, and it's all served with a great side of cabbage and apples. Mm-hmm. And he's using angelic beef, and he's got a crowd in front of his tent. And uh, well, how are also you? Teaching can, how how are you explaining to people the um, importance of grass-fed and pasture-raised animals? What's what's sort of the? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, we have. Um, we're very lucky here. We have two uh, experts. We're also working in conjunction with uh, Future Harvest. Chesapeake Alliance of Sustainable Agriculture. Mm-hmm. So we have the beef, uh, angelic beef. He's explaining to people. We tell them about how the beef is raised, how the chickens are raised, uh, why it's different, and then uh, you know the big commercial farms. Uh, and uh, people really like it, and it does taste different. Right, but so does it we're, taste we're, better? We're, people are so concerned that when they eat grass-fed, it's yeah. going to have 
a gamier taste? Um, no, it, it, they do tend to have less fat, though, mm-hmm. uh, because of the way they're grown. So you will find less fat. They're not bred for fat. Um, so they have, they're leaner. And mm-hmm. I think they have a cleaner taste yeah. to me. Uh, I can tell the difference between a, a chicken that's raised in a, you know, in a big commercial place or a chicken that's raised on a local farm that's grass-fed sure. and grass-raised. So, um, so this yeah. is at which market Friday? today? This is at Nova, mm-hmm. down here in Falls Church, mm-hmm. uh, at, at the uh, George C. Marshall High School. And uh, like I said, it's, it's everybody's out here today. It's a beautiful day. Oh, terrific. All right. Deb, tell everybody so, where they can find Central Farm Markets. CentralFarmMarkets.com. We mm-hmm. have three markets. We're moving into our holiday season. And come on out to Falls Church and get a taste of what Jonathan's cooking. Excellent. Thank you. All right. That- Bye, Deb. All right, Chaz, now Chaz, it's your moment. Now you would step up to the plate. So um, Tell us a little bit about, because you're at two concepts, one on top of the other, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Jug and Actually, Table and Roofers cons- Union. Is well, it three concepts? Kind of three concepts. Of the so there's three floors. So okay. first floor is a natural wine bar. Mm-hmm. We focus on rustic wine. And it's called? Sec- Jug and Table. Okay. And then the second floor is Roofers Union. Mm-hmm. And that is mostly a beer bar restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we right, have live Adams music Morgan. on weekends, and yeah, because it is Adams Morgan. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> and then the rooftop is a rooftop, so right. people come to it no matter what. We always have a line every weekend; it doesn't matter. Does the state? When does? How long is the rooftop? So open? It's, we've got a tent over top of it, okay, and, heaters, and heaters. So it's open year round. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah. Talk a little bit about natural wines, because I think if you say that to the, and I am a member of the Great Unwashed, does isn't all wine natural? Because it's all grown out oh, of the yeah. ground. Well. Natural wine is kind of a blanket statement for uh, minimal intervention wine, uh, also rustic wine, also organic and biodynamically grown wine. Wait, but is natural wine, does that mean it's definitely biodynamic? Because biodynamic is like voodoo with wine. Do you know it, what I mean? It's it, like the moon and I'm, I'm glad you know things. what that is. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this for 11 years. So I better know something, don't you <laughs> yeah. think? It is voodoo with wine. I, I've been doing this for 11 years. I don't know anything. So he doesn't us. listen. That's all. He just doesn't listen. Um, so when someone says a wine is natural, mm-hmm. they aren't really saying much except for stylistically, it's in one of those categories. Okay. Yeah. So when you say it. When I say it. At Jug and Table, at jug what and are you table, saying? I'm saying it's with one of those categories. Okay, so when and you're. it's a lot easier than saying biodynamic, sustainable, organic. Right, you're using it as an umbrella. Yes. Yeah, so exactly. when you're sort of curating your wine list there, because there are um, some uh, restaurants recently who have opened and some uh, wine shops that say they're only natural. Yeah. And a lot of it's confusing. And some of the wines are very expensive and some of the wines are really funky. And it's hard to it's hard to sort of educate yourself on it if you don't have people who can really explain the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I focus on wines that are just very fresh fruit driven mm-hmm. and deliver like a serious impact. Like, oh, man, I didn't know wine could do that. Like and that's why I focus on like natural wines because they're easy to drink, they're fun, mm-hmm. they're more lively. They uh they tend to just be uh I guess I it's also something new, you know, it's like a, But do you think natural wines are more responsible wines? Do they Absolutely. as yeah. a sustainable practice? And the the only time I break from the natural wine mm-hmm. is to focus on some local producers too. Okay, great. 
All right, what are we drinking first? So right now we have Bijou Amina mm-hmm. out of That's Willamette easy Valley. For you to say, <laughs> try that again. <laughs> Bijou Amina. Okay, uh, he's a little producer out of Willamette Valley, focusing mm-hmm. on minimal intervention winemaking, mm-hmm. um, low sulfur, just uh, fresh fruit driven wine. So mm-hmm. this is a Gewürztraminer. Hmm. Uh, but it looks like a rose. Is it's not an orange wine. It looks like it a is rose. an orange wine. It is it a rose wine. Yeah, a lot of a lot of white wine, white grapes will have a little bit of a pinkish hue. Mm. Um, Pinot That's Grigio not a style of wine and... that I normally like, but this is really palatable. Yeah, it's really fresh, uh, mm-hmm. like fresh peach, orange, roses, and chamomile. All right. Great. Well, now that we've treated our palates, let's treat our brains. Yes. Our brains are going to get you. Well, the doctor hear is doctor, in the, the house. doctor's in the house. And, you know, my side's been killing me. But, okay. Oh, wait. Ashley Rose Young is a doctor. She's a Ph.D., and she's historian of the American Food History Project at the Smithsonian, uh, uh, the National Museum of American History. And there's a whole food history weekend coming up next weekend, and you're in charge. I know, but before we get to the Charles weekend. in charge is here. Before we get to the weekend, you just launched this tremendous exhibit, The Food Transforming the American Table. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I know you work so hard on it. Yes. That's why she's drinking heavily. (laughs) We're celebrating. We're celebrating. So just last Friday, we reopened the food exhibition. So those of you who have been to the museum before may have made a pilgrimage to see Julia Child's kitchen. kitchen from Cambridge, Massachusetts. Don't worry, it's still in place. It mm-hmm. is part of the refreshed food exhibition. But I do want to make note that every single case in the exhibition has new objects, new stories, and we have four entirely new displays. Uh, one of the ones I'm very passionate about is a, a case that really tells the story of nine migrant food entrepreneurs who have found an economic toehold in this country through their food entrepreneurship. And I was able to go into the field, do oral histories with them, work with our curators to collect their objects, and we have put those people-first stories on display. Another, for those who adore uh, an adult beverage, another display of interest is Brewing a Revolution. This is the first case that our brewing historian, Teresa McCullough, is using to share her recent research for the American Brewing History Initiative at our museum. So lovers of Sierra Nevada, Anchor Steam, Odell's Brewery, those early craft beer spaces. Like sort of that wave, right? Starting, you know, 1960s onward, we Mm -hmm. have those amazing objects on display, and I think they're going to be a a real treat. Did you get any pushback? from? Because this is not, I mean, the Smithsonian is now venturing into food and food history and brewing and all that and, and distilling must be not far behind. So the question is, are you getting any pushback from the, the traditionalists, the purists that say this is not natural history and you yes, shouldn't be doing this? Yes, it is. Food is about no, no. where we get. I know what Thank you, you think. Okay. I'm asking the doctors in the house. Okay, ask the so, doctor. As a historian who looks at American history through the lens of food, you know I cannot claim to be at the forefront of a wave of historians who've been using food as a lens. This has been something that's been happening in our discipline for decades. I mean, the Food History Project at our museum is 23 years old. This is not new history. This is something that is an established part of the Museum of American History's approach to public history. Now, your everyday person might say, food history, that's crazy. But if you think about it, we eat every day, multiple times a day. It shapes our identities. It shapes how we connect to people. It is part of our essential being. Look and what better way to study history? Right, but not only that, it's such an essential part of history. If you, exactly. I mean, if you want to look at industrialization, yes. if you want to look at everything that happens in this country, 
everything starts and ends with whether exactly. it's farming or food or Climate whatever it is. Climate change, environmental exactly. impact, sustainability. Exactly. I mean, everything. It's all. Let me just say there. healthcare. Healthcare, yes. But so right. it was a change for the museum to head in that route, and you were at the forefront of that. So I was very lucky to be part of a team of curators and historians who are part of this project dedicated to studying American history through wine, mm-hmm. through beer, and through food. And, you know, it's exciting because people come to our museum and they're looking to see Abraham Lincoln's hat or the ruby slippers, but then they stumble upon the food exhibition and they see things like a display in our new exhibition about meal kits. And they think, oh, you know, that's just kind of Maybe I tried it once or not, but mm-hmm. what it reflects is the kind of importance of the digital and how we consume the use of our iPhones and digital media to look up recipes on allrecipe.com to find more convenient ways to source food because we're all working long hours. We don't necessarily have time to go to the grocery store. And for those who have the expendable income, things like ordering on Amazon Prime or things like ordering meal kits from Blue Apron can Mm -hmm. provide convenience. Now, what we do point out in our exhibit is that, you know, not everyone can afford these conveniences. It is so dependent upon socioeconomic, um, you know, standing and whether or not there is expendable income. And something interesting we found with the meal kit story is that in families where both – heads of household are working. It was those spaces where meal kits were most often used. So when you have two family members working very long hours, you don't have time to go to the grocery store. I mean, we have to take a break, but what's interesting about that is that they still wanted to cook. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Instead of picking it up already done. Exactly. All right. um, We're going to come back to this. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Now we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. If you want to watch the show, you can. We're on Insta Stories. Go to at Nikki Nellis, N-Y-C-C-I Nellis, mm-hmm. and you can, you get to see me, you lucky dogs. <laughs> so let's get back to this. A rose by any other name would be Ashley Rose Young, mm-hmm. Ph.D., and head of a great food he history weekend. could not wait. No, I just made that, that up. In. No, that's, that's not, not true. I'm not complaining. I just slide these things out. Right. Uh, so... I mean, you've got a huge weekend coming up next yes. weekend. Why don't you give But us- it starts with the gala and who you're... He didn't get the um, Nobel Peace Prize, but this is a pretty good second. Are we talking about Jose? We yes, are talking we are about, talking about Jose. Jose. And so Jose will be the recipient of the Julia Child Award. This is our fifth annual time, uh, time that we're And connecting. we should say, like, Danny Meyer has won. Yes. Jacques Pepin was Jacques the first. Jacques Pepin was the first. We had Mary Sue Milliken and Susan Feniger right. last year. And also Rick Bayless. So these are people who have really transformed the American food landscape. Without a doubt. And so Chef Jose Andres, with his commitment to you know, improving food access, especially in post kind of traumatic um, environmental issues like with Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. He is really doing such great work with World Central. He's also the sweetest human being that ever lived. He's a really good guy. I know. And so we are so excited to celebrate and honor him and Mm -hmm. to honor the work that he does with World Central Kitchen and also just you know, celebrate his career as a restaurateur, as a writer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he has done so much and he has such a following that I think this year it has a very celebratory mood, even though his work is in a very difficult area where we're working with people and trying to provide food access to people who've had really traumatic experiences. But he does that with such kindness and mm-hmm. such fervor that I think he we're also all has excited. a massive team who yes. um, we volunteered with them when they did World Central Kitchen here during the, the shutdown. shutdown. And it, they're such pros. It's really, they're really amazing. All of them. I mean, he's the leader, 
But everybody who works with World Central Kitchen, it's an amazing, amazing group of people doing incredible work. So we'll be honoring them at our Food History Gala this Mm -hmm. Thursday, November 7. And this is a major fundraiser for the American Food History Project. Mm -hmm. It supports our research. It supports our staff. And so it is going to be an elegant affair with Mm -hmm. some rock star speakers, guest speakers like Sami Nosrat of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be having, you know, I'm, I'm already starstruck already just saying her name. I hope we're best friends by the end of the evening. Right. Uh, you know, but it's going to be a really fantastic affair. And we have a few tickets left. They are $500 um, and they go to supporting our project. So this is for a great cause. Um, but yeah, just a few tickets left. We okay, are almost Okay, but you have out. a lot of... Um events going on that don't cost nearly as much. Let's just quickly run through some of that. Of course. So please, please come out to the museum this weekend. There are so many free and open to the public events that are going on. We have some fantastic live cooking demonstrations Mm -hmm. featuring uh, Genevieve Viamora, for example, who is co-owner of Bad Saint. So if you do not want to wait in line and if you haven't been able to (laughs) snag one of their new reservations, you can get a reservation. You can come to the museum and learn about her experiences as the co-owner owner of one of the most popular Filipino restaurants, uh, not only in D.C., no, but in, in the, the country, country. without a doubt. Um, and she's actually going to be making a dish that her mother makes at home. So it's going to be tied to her, uh, the stories about her as an entrepreneur, but mm-hmm. also about being a Filipino-American. We've got a, a, about a minute Quickly talk about the Brewing a Revolution display, which oh, of course. is of particular interest to me. It is very much of interest. It, I have to tell you, it is fantastic. After two and a half years of watching my colleague, Dr. Teresa McCullough, work on this, to see it come together, this new display, Brewing a Revolution, it starts in the 1960s, and it features the story of several brew pubs, also breweries. So if you're a fan of Sierra Nevada, for many people, that was kind of the first step uh, possibly into craft beer or Anchor Steam. You know, you're looking at people I like I was waiting Fitz for Anchor Maytag. Steam to be mentioned. Exactly, right? She mentioned it earlier. Yeah, it's and so best. I'd also like to mention one of the favorite stories that Teresa has put up is that of Charlie Papazian. Mm-hmm. So he wrote The Joy of Home Brewing, you know, a play off of The Joy of of cooking. And so he is no, one of the first... The joy of sex. It's <laughs> a play of the joy of sex. Okay, okay, gotcha. The joy I, of sex, I, even better. I wrote that, didn't I? <laughs> but come to our museum, see his story. We have a spoon that he has used to educate so many craft brewers. They came to him first to learn the art of home brewing, and then they took that on into their professional endeavors. This spoon is beautiful. It's weathered. Its edge is cut from thousands and thousands of stirs in a pot. And I tell you, it is just imbued with brewing history. And well, Unfortunately, we're we do have, have to wrap to... it up. But um, uh, Ashley's going to join me tomorrow on Industry Night to talk more about uh, what's going to be happening during the weekend. No, I might just make that scene. And right. And um, so before you give the 411 on how people can get tickets or find out about all the details, I do want to say what I think is really fascinating about what's going on at the museum and all the work that you're doing is that it is a cluster of women who is putting this all together. And not that we have a problem with men. You're all fabulous. Don't worry. But it is a group of women who has made this happen. And I really applaud yeah. all your efforts. She's a man-eater. <laughs> I had Strong that. Women. That was my college Strong moniker. Women. It's totally different was now. It? I should have known that before I married you. Yeah, and I love that our brewing is quarter of a century late is fabulous. On yeah. so. Anyway, all right. Uh, the website, please. Yes. So please, I think the easiest way to get to our website is to just search for Smithsonian Food History Weekend. We have all the details from the eight cooking demos to the three deep dish dialogues to all of our kids' activities. We have kids-friendly demos as well. 
please come out to the museum. This is for the entire family. Uh, it is just going to be a great day to learn from chefs in person. Great. So Excellent. please join us. Right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much. So, Chaz, Chaz. I, I got a question for you. What, Go what for would it. a vineyard 2,000 years ago look like, and would that not be the epitome of sort of natural wine? Because I, Absolutely. It, absolutely. So, I mean, a vineyard 2,000 years ago would have a different different varietals. Were they uh, more rugged just, plants just, because they didn't just get the wild, same TLC? wild vines. So uh, all the vines that we have now are essentially clones of other vines that evolved over many centuries and mostly France, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of Germany and Spain and um, all over. But, yeah. But, I mean, okay. 2,000 years ago, yeah, they would just put a bunch of grapes in a vat and leave it alone. Cl- close it off a little bit but allow some air to escape and leave it alone. Um, and so, yeah, you would end up with wines that are kind of similar to what's in your glass right now, um, which is a biodynamic, floor-fermented uh, Zweigelt from Kremstal, Austria, uh, made by this young man named Christoph Hoch. Um, I mean, yeah. so what, what do they use now? I mean, is he using barrels? Because we've been, again. So this is barrel-fermented, but it's, it's also floor-fermented, so they leave a little bit of air at the top of the barrel. That gets good. worked over by a layer of yeast, so it's sealed from oxidation. I'm sorry, uh, I missed like the name. Find... What is this? So this is a Christoph Hoch Rosé mm-hmm. okay. out of uh, Kremstal, Austria. It's so it's a, little, um, it's a little cloudy. It is a little cloudy because all, that, all is... these wines are on unfined and unfiltered. Okay. And what's, um, mostly why... to preserve the flavor in there. Is that why? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just to take, but it, but is filtering specific just to take the cloudiness out? Yes. Okay. That is the only so reason. So it's just an aesthetic. It's just a visual it's, aesthetic. It's just a visual aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, uh, a lot of winemakers believe that if you remove anything from the wine, you're also removing Changing the, the taste. Well, the okay. title of his autobiography could be Cloudy with a Chance of Rosé. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. That's I, nice. Chaz, That's I like nice. you now. Chaz, even better. you're not helping me <laughs> Even better, I not like Not even you. a little bit. All right, we'll get back to you, Chaz. All right, so... Justin Pass and Rachel Watson created a company called Santa Luce, mm-hmm. and I found out much to my great pleasure that Justin and I have uh, similar experiences in our youth. We both lived in Florence, and I, I assume that informed the name of this company and what you guys wanted to do. Uh, definitely, David. And first of all, thank you guys for having us. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, I really started to, I've always been interested in food, um, got into food and wine as a young man in college. I was fortunate enough to spent a semester in Florence, Italy, and that's where I really got serious about food and wine. Uh, took a brief hiatus from that seriousness, at least Can I career. just stop you for a second? Sure. As a mother who has sent children to Europe for college, I love that you phrase it as, I was really fortunate enough. Yeah, they're all like, send me again. <laughs> I think gratitude is important. So I'm sorry. I, was, yeah, I, I, I That definitely comes with age, so <laughs> give them a little time. But um, Sounds like a mother who's pissed off is what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, well, I know what that's like, too, although I, lo- I love you, Mom. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I took a little time off from that from a career standpoint, but eventually after uh, thinking about going to law school, I decided to go a totally different route. Went to culinary school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Culinary Institute of America, graduated in 2008, moved down here You went to up DC. to Hyde Park? I was in Hyde Park, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, most grueling two years of my life. But yeah, but it's so beautiful up beautiful there. Beautiful. Yeah, wait till really you marry, get experience. married, and you'll, you'll find out okay. about it. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> um, so then I uh, moved down to D.C., cooked here for a little while, and really had gotten bitten by the wine bug though, while I was in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I switched over to the wine industry, and I was um, in the wine industry for the majority of the last uh, 10 years or so. 
And how did you come up with this concept? And what is the concept? Because we need well, to tell people what Sarah Luca is. I think we should open a can and let okay, let's open up a can. A little ASMR for your Sunday morning. I was thinking okay. of that line from <laughs> something about Mary. Open up a can of whoop ass. Okay. But, yeah. so well, we it go. might be later. We'll yeah. see how so this, this is, goes. Uh, so, so really briefly, Sarah Luce is a canned cocktail. It's a version of um, the cocktail known as the Venetian Spritz. And a lot of people say, what's a Venetian Spritz? In fact, most people have probably heard of it. They've just heard it under another name, which is the Aperol Spritz. Right. The Aperol Spritz is a wonderful drink. Uh, it is, however, a brand. Aperol is a specific brand, which I very much appreciate and have zero affiliation with. Um, it is something that... <laughs> you know, the lawyers are on the phone already. <laughs> um, but really... Um, I bring this up because it's just one of uh, an example of a number of variations on the Venetian spritz. There's really different regional variations all over Italy. And we decided we wanted to do a pre-made one that is kind of our version for the American market. Um, kind of touching on what Dr. Young was saying earlier, you know, all these concepts in food and wine and beverage, they're constantly evolving. We mm -hmm. want it to be a spritz for the 21st century because this is something that goes back over 150 years. Well, but spritzes, you know, sort of got like a bad name this summer. Like the New York Times wrote that article like – Sort of lamb blasting them, but there right? was a resounding oh, message from the other side that saying, was like, "We no, like, we our, like spritzes. our spritzes." And basically, what that came down to is people are using bad or flat prosecco in their spritzes. So it's not the spritz's fault; it's the poorer. Well, spritz. So Don't blame the spritz. <laughs> okay, so let's That's talk right. about what is in a spritz. A traditional Venetian spritz is some kind of liqueur, usually bitter, citrus, nice herbs, which is what we've created. Some kind of white wine, either Prosecco or something more flat. We've used a Garganaga grape that comes directly from Italy, so we are mm -hmm. a true Venetian spritz. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit of soda and carbonation, which we should open up once so you can hear that amazing right. carbonation. Right, here we go. Um, we, you know, there were a lot of ways Ooh. to go with this, but we saw the opening in the canned wine market. We have tried every single canned product that exists, mm -hmm. and they are not all created equal. That is true. So we wanted to create something that's a real true cocktail. This has the same ABV as anything you're going to get in a restaurant. It's a full flavor. It's full bubbles. Uh, you know, we wanted to create the real thing and have people that appreciate a nice cocktail be happy with a canned product, which I think is challenging, but I think we hit the mark. Well, here's the test. Let's yeah. See. Oh, and you should pour some for people in the studio Absolutely. so they yes. can try it, too. Um, so, it's you know what? Great. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we can talk about how you figure out how to circulate this within the market. Because canned uh, wine is a huge trend right now, but not canned cocktails just yet, except for that hard liquor stuff. Uh, so we'll Which come we back. Are not. But right. Exactly. All right. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. I want to quickly thank our sponsors, ProFish, mm -hmm. uh, Meat Crafters, Central Farm Markets, uh, the soon-to-open Cafe Liberté in Georgetown, and Mirabelle, fabulous restaurant right near the White House. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to toast with Sarah Luce. Here we go. Cheers. Che that didn't do oh, it. Oh, no. Oh, there we go. Chin, chin. So, so, you know why the glasses are too full? So, no. Well, I'm so just trying it. to get you drunk so, so you like the product, David. What did you guys wind up putting in your product so that it would withstand being in a can we uh we work natural flavors we have a great company that we developed this with so we have uh, a nice uh spirit that brings the abv up we have garganica wine from italy and just water and carbonation it's the real deal and it's actually so it's not a spirit per se what it is it's basically a very high <clears throat> excuse me how high alcohol uh 
wine that has been that has been clarified so that we can bring the ABV and get kind of the balance. Okay, of you the guys cocktail. keep saying ABV. Ah. We know what that means, but why don't we explain alcohol it to by volume? Yeah, alcohol. Right. So now I have is to be it careful a high here. Alcohol. I wouldn't say it's What's... high alcohol. It's nine percent, which for a cocktail is actually considered generally low alcohol. Right. But I bring this up because I mean, don't you want to get on that low ABV trend, which well, is so hot right now? We actually looked at it, and as we were developing this, we tasted it at low ABV, and it didn't taste like it didn't taste good. It didn't okay. taste like the real thing. That's and not worth so it. many of those cans are really low ABV, and to us, they're kind of thin mm-hmm. they are they serve their purpose you know if you want to go drink those at the beach that's great but we wanted people to have a real a cocktail experience with this and i think some of the mixologists in the studio can probably speak better to this than i can because i'm a wine guy by trade but um i bring up you know we talk about the alcohol not to be like oh it's so high in alcohol or whatever that it's going to get you buzzed but alcohol in a cocktail is so important for balance if it's too low right. it's just going to fall flat so you really it's all you know with with beverages just like food so much of the taste is about texture mm-hmm. so by having that right balance which for this cocktail we found to be right about nine percent it just delivered the flavor in the, in the most optimal way so let's talk about where Sarah Luce can be found let's do that definitely let's so we've that. been really fortunate uh, we launched about three weeks ago and we're already in about 30 spots in the uh, between DC and Baltimore Congratulations. And oh, nice. um, just to name a few Calvert Woodley here in DC Magruder's uh, Locavino and frankly pizza in uh, Maryland so you're that, looking that's what I was curious about are you looking to be in restaurants are you looking to be in stores are you looking to be everywhere like what's your what's your global domination we're, de- we're definitely looking at at stores and restaurants you know frankly pizza we just had an amazing meal there and we live around one the block corner. from our house so yeah, good great people please go check them out um, they support us we're on their board right now so, wait, um, can I ask you a question will you then will you do uh, like what are they called Kegs? Yeah. We've thought about it. Very good yeah. question. Is something we're looking into. Mm-hmm. I know some people, I worked, I've sold a lot of kegged wines early on. They had some issues with some of the sparkling wines, but my understanding is they're coming along better. So we really, on our next run, want to try and do some trials. Yeah, because it's a matter of keeping it yeah, bubbly. Get, well, and keeping that's those exactly lines right. clean. Yep. yep. That's yep. the hardest part. So definitely something we're interested in and hopefully mm-hmm. coming soon. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. So again, Calvert Woodley, Magruder's, Frankly Pizza, Locavino in Silver Spring, Via Umbria in Georgetown. Uh, we are also mm. featured at East Street Cinema downtown. Fabulous. Um, and then there is a full list, which you can find on our website, which is www.saraluchespritz.com. Saraluche, S-E-R-A-L-U-C-E. Terrific. And we're on Instagram and Facebook at Drink Sara Luce. That's where you'll find the most up-to-date information about our tastings, like the one happening this afternoon from 2 to 5 at Batch 13 on 14th Street. Nice. Fantastic. And I understand after your wedding in September, you're taking us all to Italy. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, on us. We Congratulations. Got it. <laughs> if we sell enough Sara Luce. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, right. that's fair. Okay, Everybody buy Sara Luce. All right, all right Chaz, so, we're coming back to Chaz, you. Chaz, I've got a question for you. So when you're, your executive chef is Jen Flynn, are, I mean... How much collaboration, coordination is there with her um, versus you just saying, man, this is great stuff and I got to have it? I mean, because that whole pairing issue. Oh, the the pairing issue. So we we collaborate on the cheese board and that's about it. Uh, (laughs) But I talk to Jen occasionally like I was like, hey, let's can we put a steak frito on the menu? There Mm -hmm. are a couple of wines that I would like to pair with some just steak and fries. Like but other than that, we've got just amazing elevated bar food we've got burger sliders and chicken sliders and um, so you're just looking for the best yeah just liquids that you can find yeah easy pairings and like wine that honestly goes with most anything because fresh fruit pairs with pretty much everything so what did you pour us next all right we've got the calcareous veneto okay you can pass it after so tell us about it 
There we go. You got to get in front of the mic. No there doubt. We go. There we go. <laughs> Sorry about That's that, guys. That's okay. Um, so this is actually a really bizarre wine. It's a... You're my new go-to blend. guy for bizarre wines. Yeah, well, that's that's what I try to be, right. actually. Um, it's tart. Yeah, it is tart, So and very floral. So that comes from hmm. a blend of Nero de Troya and Elietico. Mm-hmm. And then this is a Raposo, so they blend skins into the fresh juice um, from a white wine, actually. And that's where you get all these, like... What's it jazz- called? Sorry? What's the name of the wine? Uh, Calcareous Veneto. Okay, of, and it's uh, from... Puglia. Italy? In Italy, yeah, mm-hmm. southern southern Italy. Um, this is from like a very high limestone and uh, Kimmeridgian soil, mm-hmm. so you've got this really nice, vibrant acidity, fresh fruit. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Like it's it. a little sour beerish. Yeah, I was just gonna you know say I mean? it's sort of yeah, the wine it, equivalent of a sour beer. Yeah, it, it is the. Uh, it's all spontaneously fermented, so the the wines get a little bit different. It's really cool. Great. All right. All right. We'll come back to you at the end. Thank All you so right. much. So sitting next to me now is the uh, estimable Laura <laughs> Barnett from from uh, uh, Catoctin Creek. 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 <laughs> but also, uh, you're really, you're, you're kind of managing the Northern Virginia Battle no, of the no, Bartenders. No, no, no. She's not no? managing it. It's her idea. It's my baby. It well, is. yeah. I mean, she's the mommy of it. <laughs> so. I, I tell, yeah. us, tell us. So you work at Catoctin. I do. Yes. And but you wanted to do this competition. Why? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am all about collaborations. Uh, last year we did this battle. It was the first one, and um, it was uh, just Loudon County bartenders. Mm-hmm. Um, so John Shot, who's here tonight or today with us, um, actually it feels like it's nighttime. It's super dark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mentioned that he was really interested in being in this year's Battle of Bartenders. So we thought, why don't we open it up to all of Northern Virginia? Mm-hmm. Um, so because you know these guys and girls. I love well, a competition. Exactly. Everybody's like, I want to win that prize. Exactly. Last year, uh, this event sold out within about a week. Um, same same with this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bigger and better this year. Um, and it's actually going to be at Also. Last year it was at Catoctin Creek. So mm-hmm. we wanted to um, definitely sell more tickets for the um, charity for Juvenile Research Foundation. So. so, but let's talk about how you went about curating the bartenders who are participating mm-hmm. And who the judges are. Did and you what... just open it up to everybody? or No, no. No, the, uh, the bartenders were all hand-selected. Um, so some of them I personally know, and some of them were um, suggested to me by uh, John Shope, who is actually our Virginia uh, sales ambassador. Mm-hmm. So um, he was the one that brought on John Shot, which I'm super happy uh, to have. And then um, the rest of them are, um, we wanted to pick, bartenders from different regions of Northern Virginia. Okay. So we wanted to break it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how they were chosen. And was there, is there, are they supposed to use Catoctin Creek yes. spirits? Like what are the, what are the rules? Yep. The rules are um, Catoctin Creek has to be the base of the uh, cocktail. Mm-hmm. And um, there's three rounds. Uh, each round is 15 minutes each and they have to present three different cocktails to three judges. Okay. And then they have to make a sample cocktail for the rest of the 100 guests that we're going to have. So okay. it'll be a challenge. <laughs> Who are the judges? Uh, the judges are uh, Scott of Catoctin Creek, Scott Stephanie Harris. Gans. Mm-hmm, Stephanie Gans. Uh, and Who then used we used to be with Virginia Magazine. She's leaving. Yes, yes. And then um, 
Todd Thrasher's uh, head bartender, and I'm sorry, his name is escaping me right that's now, okay. but I'll look it up. Yeah, His so. actual name is Todd Thrasher's head bartender. Yes, that's <laughs> right. his name. Yep. Anybody who works with Todd just goes by that. <laughs> right, right, right. That's I'm, how that works. Todd. Todd so if you come to the event, you'll have an opportunity to try mm-hmm. how many cocktails? Yeah, so there's three rounds, potentially four rounds if we have a tie. Mm-hmm. So you get to taste uh, six bartenders, so you're tasting six cocktails for each round so okay, it's a great. pretty substantial amount but they're small samples Do you have cots for the judges right to... right yes okay. they will need them <laughs> all right andy are you all right if we take a break a little early because they're just finishing up their cocktails yeah, and, we'll get and i want to get everybody on air to talk about their restaurants and what they're doing and then the cocktails we're drinking all right we're having a battle of the bartenders in studio we'll be back we'll be back in just a sec all right, we're back on Fooding the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Briefly, I just want to thank Profish, Meat Crafters, Central Farm Markets, Mirabelle, and the coming soon Cafe Liberté in Georgetown for sponsoring the show. And let's get back to Laura Barnett and the Battle of the Northern Virginia Battle of the Bartenders. We've got two of the contestants here. We had we're trying to keep them apart because they're just I mean, it's getting bloody in here. John Shot John Shot is the bar manager at the People's Drug Restaurant in um, Alexandria. Aaron Robertson, who almost didn't make it up from the lobby. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> is bar manager at Osso. Apparently, they've been battling since high school. Is that correct? correct? Yeah, yeah, we both graduated yeah. from the same high school. All right, so... So, um, John, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about the People's Drug. Is that supposed to be... People's Drug because you're serving alcohol? alcohol yes, or of course. People's Drug because all the... Uh, former CVSs used to be called People's Drug. Let's go see all of the above. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's an homage to the old drugstores that started in Alexandria, so it has a nice nostalgic feel to it mm-hmm. as well. Plus the drugstores, like my drugstore as a kid uh, growing up in Arlington as well. Kind of the place where everyone from the neighborhood has to go as well. Okay. So it is an homage to that. Lisa Johnson's grandparents owned People's Drug. How about that? <laughs> my high school her. girlfriend. You didn't marry her. No I way. missed out. Damn. Missed out. Man. out of all you of been your marriages, money. that's the all one that money. Well, you acted rich, okay. and I, who knew? You well know. played. Anyway. All right. So so People's Drug, we have an, uh, a really nice craft sandwich shop with a really nice cocktail program along with it, too. And we're a really small, intimate place, usually mm-hmm. groups of like two to four, what we would uh, prefer. But Right now, with our specialty menus, we do a Mezcal Monday. We do Gin Timit Tuesdays. We love gin there. We, yeah, gin. We have a lot of puns. We try to do craft cocktails, but we want to keep it lighthearted, too. You know, mm-hmm. there's no reservations. Walk in and whatever you're doing, whatever the, level Your restaurant's in Alexandria. Old Town, right on the corner of uh, King and North Alfred. Okay. Yep, just off the beaten path. Good spot. Great spot. great spot. We might have another one opening up uh, before the end of the year on King Street. Wow. Uh, so you'll have two, or is we'll it? We'll have two, yep. Okay, great. Absolutely. And um, as... So tell us a little bit about the cocktail you made today. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. So this cocktail right here is one of, um, this is called the Earl of Duke Street. Mm-hmm. So it's going to do a little homage to where we are, which is Duke Street in uh, Alexandria, but then a little Earl Grey tea as well. Mm. Uh, this is also That's featured great. in uh, Old Town Drinks, which is a book put out by The Hour, which is one of our neighbor's uh, cocktail stores as well. So We've had is, them in studio. Oh, yeah. Just Victoria's so you know, amazing. I am glass obsessed. Oh, our beautiful. house so has see- lots of like... Fabulous glassware because I can't help myself. Nice. nice. I'm glad and I brought dogs you guys. With long tails. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm the same. I'm the same. The same. My true. thing too. Also true. My house is the same. I'm glad I brought you guys matching glassware today. I stressed that a little bit yeah, too. Right. I'm gonna uh, drop so it on the floor. Earl, Don't worry. Earl of Duke Street is for me. So it's a gin sour. We love gin, uh, and we like again. We're gonna play on uh, classic cocktail recipes, which again we have our citrus, our spirit, our ice, uh, our sweetener, and. Um, uh, but which Kentuckian spirit did you use? So we have our watershed gin in there. So the watershed mm-hmm. gin is really unique in that it's distilled from rye as well. So you get your juniper, you get some lemon zest with it. Mm-hmm. You get a nice little mild spice, too, which I really like, which I think it makes it a gin 
good for summer, and then like fall and winter too. Right, it blends beautifully. So this is going to be paired with a little bit of Earl Grey, which again has that mild spice with it too to play off it. We have a little bit of Amaro blend in there mixed with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fresh lemon juice from this morning, and then we're going to spritz it. We spritzed it with a little bit of elderflower and saffron as well. Just to highlight those botanicals in there and play off those that they already did the hard work for. Nothing fancy for this competition. This is a regular menu item for us. You can get this any day of the week. Uh, don't BS a BSer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Erin, on to you. Erin Robertson is in studio. She's from Osso Restaurant. Osso. So tell us a little bit about the restaurant. So Chef Jason Maddens, I worked with him at Clarity at his um, former restaurant in Vienna, Virginia. And then... I You're on the radio. <laughs> went on to D.C. and then I'm back to work with him again, which has been amazing. Um, it's a wine-centric restaurant, but we take our cocktails just as seriously mm-hmm. as we do our wine. Um, Jason is a level two certified sommelier, so mm-hmm. um, pairing is a big deal at our restaurant. So we do um, a lot of wine pairings. But we also do cocktail pairings, and that's um, important to us. And we do like a do a lot of like off the cuff cocktails, which is fun. So when you were putting together your cocktail program, what were you looking to do at the restaurant? Were you looking more for classics? Did you want to change things up a bit? So what a was your priorities? Riff, riffs on classics, um, mm-hmm. but also I just like to work with ingredients that are fresh and unique and mm-hmm. play with flavors, and that's. Do so you guys just sit around and? Pour things mm. together and see what works. So I yep, like to, all day. <laughs> I like to go shopping in the walk-in. This might be why you weren't <laughs> home in time to save your nice? apartment. I'm <laughs> trying nice But nowadays, <laughs> Rough, man. whether you're a bartender, a som, a beer person, or a chef, everybody's working with similar ingredients. You're all yeah. working together. There's no sort of like... That's your, you know, you're at the bar, I'm in the kitchen, you're front of the house. Like, it's so important that the front of the house, back oh, yeah. of the house, like, everybody works together in the same it's, it's sandbox. It's beautiful now. When I started yeah. in restaurants, there was a distinction. Divide, you're, you're yeah. front of house, back of house. And now everyone's really happy to share the things they're working with as well. And I think that's why you just see all the programs coming up. Plus, it's for the greater good. We yeah. all want to share what we want to share the best product, you know. But there's also an infinite sure. number of possible, you know, combinations and possibilities Endless. and amounts and all that so that you can constantly play. Yeah. Aaron, what'd you put in this cocktail? Again, excellent glassware. Oh, I love the know. etching on the bottom. It's beautiful. That thing looks excellent. How'd you get that to grow on the side? <laughs> so that is clip. fresh juniper berry. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. we made a juniper um, simple syrup with turbinado, so like a brown sugar syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, oh we obviously have the Catoctin Creek rye in there. Mm-hmm. Um, little lemon juice, little Averna, which is an Italian Amaro. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Amaro t- is like the thing. It's like, it's it's like the drug right of bartenders now. these <laughs> days. Y'all love, it was like Fernet a couple years ago. Yeah. Now it's Amaro. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's Guilty. very, very good. Wait, what else is in here? Did I cut you um, off? I'm sorry. little lemon and then two dip- different types of bitters. Okay. So now you both are making these drinks at the event next week. We don't know what drinks we're making yet. Oh, wait. No, Monday. <laughs> sorry. It's a Monday, right? It's tomorrow. 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 Yeah. We're, hitting this, we're hitting this tomorrow. We have no idea what they're oh, yeah. making. Oh, so wait, why yeah. not? Because it's kind of a chop style event where they have a pantry um, and each round we present a secret ingredient. So they have to basically work with that secret ingredient and use the. That um, seems like a lot of work. Wait a second. (laughs) Not to take their side here, but then they also have to serve those drinks to everybody there. Yes. A batch of 100. So you have to. Are you going to batch? Like 100 servings. They can't batch before? 
No, no, because they won't know what they're making. Okay, I'm suddenly very stressed for the two of you. <laughs> we each have oh. an assistant. Yes, okay. help they with have the best Oh, that changes everything. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, you're going to have to make cocktails to impress the judges. You're going to have to make it all pretty. And then you're also going to have to make a hundred. Yeah. Well, there are a hundred small it's like an ounce sample no 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 so. stop trying to listen okay, I, I think this sorry, is a, sorry. This is a, it's a great for, i think wait, it's wait. very indicative of how bartending is now you have people come up make me something with this live on the spot and then before your shifts you're batching you're getting things ready so well i'm sort of test us goal area, oriented like, what do you do win it. if you win i'm super chill about it okay so the um, no you're not <laughs> <laughs> that's what i said don't bs and bs they actually don't know this yet but the um the grand prize so we have uh two winners so we'll have the ultimate winner and then um there's also going to be a people's choice, choice. yes right. so the um people's drug people's the grand choice. winner if you will is going to receive a beautiful uh, leather and beeswax personalized uh bar roll-up bag cool it's absolutely gorgeous and then the people's choice award um it has gift certificates to uh, different restaurants around northern virginia it's got all kinds of barware in it um uh, ingredients with uh, local vendors that we sell in the tasting room. So it's kind of like a nice little gift basket That's customized really towards bartenders. How many bartenders total? Six. Wow. And wow. what made you choose the charity that is the beneficiary. Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, Christian Puccio, actually, who is the GM of ASSO, he's been collaborating with me on this event, and his daughter was diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes at six years old. So mm-hmm. we just, we, we thought it was something near and dear to our hearts. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Let's, um, okay. <coughs> How do people Before, attend? Yeah, let's give everybody the 411 to get tickets tomorrow because there's still tickets it's sold available. Out. Oh, sold out. Snooze, you lose. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. So, plenty of pictures. I hate to do a competition in studio, but by round of applause, let's decide whose drink wins. Okay. So, John's drink. Earl of Duke Street. Let's hear it. We, all right. Well, Aaron didn't clap. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Sorry. Yeah, I was cold. Aaron's drink. Aaron's drink. Aaron, what's it called again? Um. Juniper Donatello. Juniper. Oh my God! Accidenti alla Madonna. Okay, let's <laughs> That's go. A round of applause for <laughs> you. know what? It, it sounds like a tie. tie. I think we got it's a tie. tie. That's right. That's you both ball. win. I just want to announce you both win nothing. But <laughs> oh, beautiful. But you got to be on the but show, so well, guys, we thank you. We appreciate you. All right. So once again, uh, go visit with John at the People's Drug in Alexandria, and with Aaron at uh, Asso, and. Um, I guess, I don't know, listen. You can go out to Kentucky and come see me at Kentucky and Creek. Come see me, I'm me. And uh, follow the list to find out who wins because yeah, you can't exactly. go anymore. Right? That's right. right. Okay, Thanks, great. All right, Chaz, Chaz let's get you back you? up. Oh, He's like, I'm coming. Right back here. Sorry, right, sorry. <laughs> so so what the you, west one wing of the things we didn't really studio. talk about is what got you into natural wines in the first place. Yeah, so I, I worked in a wine shop in college and kind of just – fell in love with this uh, one producer's wine, uh, Thierry Puzla, out of mm-hmm. Loire Valley. And I was studying biology and chemistry at the time and was like, why is the why are these wines so different? And so Because natural wines are different. Not necessarily biodynamic wines, I have to be honest, because some of those are filtered, but natural wines in particular can be stronger. They're yeah, they're just fresher and more aromatic and for I me, it's way more interesting. F word. I would not say fresher. I would say funkier. 
She used well, the F word on they're the radio. Both. Do you know what I mean, though? Like, I sometimes feel like they're, you're like, it's like you're drinking a totally different kind. It doesn't feel like it's wine sometimes. Well, also, like, not all natural wines are created equal. Like, sure. you can still have very clean, beautiful flavors and not, mm-hmm. and omit the funk. But the funk can also be fun sometimes. That's very true. Yeah. Ashley's all about it behind you. You can't see what's happening. <laughs> it's okay. All right. Bring we do, on the funk, right? We do have to wrap up. So tell us where we can find you during the week and on Saturdays, I'm sure. Oh, uh, yeah, at Jug and Table and mm-hmm. Roofers Union and Adams Morgan. Are um, you, like, in all three? Where do we so find you So on weekends, I'm only in the basement on the first floor. Okay. Uh, so that's Jug Safer and Table. Safer to keep you there? Yeah, it, it is. It really is. <laughs> Nobody puts jazz in the basement. <laughs> All right, uh, so yeah. that's pretty much it for the show. Everything you heard about uh, today, you can find more information on the list, com, Nikki's website. Mm-hmm. Follow her on Instagram. Follow her on Facebook. You're taking follow a her long on time. W- so what? Okay. I got time. Mm-hmm. Follow her on WTOP every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that's it. Don't follow yeah. me anywhere. So we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio. As always, there's so much going on in the D.C. metro area. Whether you're hitting a museum to check out what they're doing there or going for a great glass of wine or checking out a cocktail competition, every week in the D.C. metro area, there's something fabulous happening. You can find it all out on the com. You can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And on Mondays, you can check me out on Industry Night. That's our show from 5 to 6 at the Hotel. Uh, Dr. Ashley is joining me tomorrow, as well as the new curator you might be of checking the, me out there tomorrow. No, you're not too. going. I'm coming. Um, of the new Children's Museum, which has uh, had their soft opening up this week. Uh, it's going to be fabulous. So we want to thank all of our guests again for joining us in studio. It's a lot to get up on a Sunday morning and do this, even though we fell back and got an extra hour. Uh, but it was a boozy show. We had a lot of fun. We hope you had a good time with us today. Everybody, please have a delicious week. Oh,